stood at the foot of a great high mountain that I wanted so much to climb. And on top of this mountain was a beautiful fountain and beside it the tree of life. I fell down on my knees at the foot of this mountain Cried out, Odin, what must I do? I want to climb up and see Want to learn from this tree That grows so clear in my view Saying, child, these are my rooms. Just start with Fehu and climb on upward between the etheric and Gonna build me 
riding on a mountain so high, so I can see Willie as he goes on by. see you but i can't hear you oh yeah there we are thank you emily <laughs> hey all welcome to odin's alchemy 
This week, we have the great pleasure of welcoming Emily Moyer. She has a YouTube channel under her name and gets and goes around on some other places. And Emily is absolutely brilliant and one of the coolest people I've ever met. I've got to uh, hang out with her in person, and uh, she is just absolutely awesome. And so I wanted to bring uh, Emily on this week and uh, let everybody uh, hear what Emily has to say. Um, before we get started quick, paraplegic coffee, as always, the best coffee you could ever put in your butt. 410-708-7622. Seriously, though, Chris... Christy uh, was not happy on the trip without her paraplegic. Uh, the anaerobic uh, uh, fer fermented coffee is not the same as train coffee. <laughs> How you doing, Emily? Paraplegic coffee. Tell me all about it, dude. I'm I'm seriously into my coffee. Huh? Oh, dude. Okay, so like, uh, you know... One of the things that I'm about at home that a lot of people wouldn't guess is, is that I'm like, I'm super snobbish about food, like super snobbish. And I like, so I buy like, the things that I get when I actually go purchase things are really, uh, you know, high quality. Uh, so I don't drink coffee, but the, my wife does and the guys do. So I went out and I'd get, you know, the best quality coffee that you can get around for the most part. There, there is one in town. Uh, it's a Peaberry uh, Kona, a Hawaiian one. That's $30 a freaking pound that they said is about as good as paraplegic. So no, Christy said, no, it's not. So paraplegic gives, uh, gives me a call and sends it to me. And I have the guys, uh, shoots me a message and sends it to me. And I have the guys try it. And the funny thing is, so, you know, we live uh, uh, outside of Garberville. And in Redway, there's a famous place that roasts coffee that, like, the Benbow hat, you know, carries it in all these places. And it's supposed to be all fancy. And uh, that's what they had been getting was the high line of their stuff. Well, they ran out of paraplegic and they started using the other stuff from uh, town there. And I walk by and I'm like, why does that smell like burnt acid? I'm like, that is horrible. Uh, so we haven't, uh, we make sure that we we have our paraplegic. And then she even went further with it and got the anaerobically fermented. So there's like no acid in it. And then uh, also uh, uh, Christy does a little coffee enema thing. That's why I, that's why I make the joke about best coffee in your butt. You know, because then the anaerobically fermented doesn't have any acid. So if you are doing a coffee enema, obviously that's going to be the a, a big thing. You don't want to go jamming a bunch of acid in there. So it's it's better for the coffee enema thing. But it's it's also hilarious. <laughs> I, I figured that, that, that you were talking about the coffee enema thing. But I have discovered we have yet another thing in common, Ben. But everybody knows I'm a serious food snob. Right. I do not just about coffee, about about fucking everything. Like I've about driven this one absolutely bonkers. But when I'm gone and she just goes back to doing whatever old thing she did before she met me or before I started some new obsession, she's like, I like it when you do it. Um, I'm obsessed with coffee. I do Chemex. Christy, how do you do your coffee? Like I'm really into the Chemex thing and it takes me like 
almost an hour to do it every morning, but it's very meditative, right? I enjoy the process of extracting the coffee. Wow. I You've got to send me the information on that. Go ahead, baby. I was going to say, we're, we just hand grind it in the hand grinder, and then we either do pour over or French press. So the hand grinding is great with the Chemex, but the Chemex doesn't get any sediment in the coffee. It just literally extracts the, you know, like the, all the purest, most flavorful stuff. It looks like a science experiment. You would like it, Ben. It looks like I'm making it. Oh, I really want to check this out. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Hold on one second. I'm going to put C-H-E-M and then just X. C-H-E-M-E-X. So it's it. you can buy a Chemex pot and it's a style of, of making your coffee. Um, and it's probably most common and popular amongst people who like very like light roast coffee that has a lot of particular kinds of That's notes. But I do it with all, like I, I, I'm just like with everything else. I like variety. I like it light. I like it dark. I like it in the middle. I, I just, right. I, I just, I, I like all kinds of things. Um, but it, it makes it the, the process, the way it's extracted really highlights the notes in any particular coffee you're drinking. It tastes so clean, right? So clean. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's my favorite thing to do with that, with the, uh, with the, with the coffee, but I'm a snob about like, I like going to fancy restaurants. I like, you know, I, I'm like, I'm famous for like, getting a bag of groceries and seeing like how expensive the single bag of groceries can be. I think like my most expensive bag of groceries ever was like 350 or $400. And this one nearly fainted yeah. when I came home with it. <laughs> you must shop where I shop. Like, yeah. If I go get a, a two bags, it's about 700 bucks, two bags or two, right. put it in boxes. Actually it's but, but I mean, we, had, you go in there, they have, the golden cauliflower. They mm -hmm. have the the uh, the purple. They have uh, you know instead of just the snowball, they have a different uh, white one that's fantastic. They got Romanesco. They have like three different colors of asparagus, like ten different kinds of mushrooms, you know, and it's all uh, locally grown. Uh, you know, just like fantastic. And like when I I'm a cheese, I'm a cheese freak. And so, like, the cheese is all from small dairies. And, oh, my God, just, like, oh. That's the problem for me is, like, once I discover something really good, that's the only thing I want. I don't want the thing that I was happy with before that anymore. And that just keeps happening, right? You have so many more, like, artisan, foodie, like, cheesemakers and, and dairy, like, people doing things with, you know, ranching and dairy and with their vegetables and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, once you have that, it's like, I don't want the other thing anymore. Like I can very, I can easily see how like when the human re returns to its sort of perfected form, it eats very little food, but everything it eats is divine. <laughs> right? I can totally, I, I'm working my way there. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, and then the thing is, is when you're eating really, uh, high quality food the thing that is also included in that is nutrient density and that's where you don't need to eat much you can eat a little bit uh the same applies for my dogs like most people have seen my dogs they're just ripped you know they look like they weight train or something <clears throat> and my dogs have an open food bin 
I, it's just a fit. It's just like a 50 or 60 pound bin that I just dump a couple bags of dog food in and they help themselves whenever they want, but it's high, uh, really high quality nutrient dense food. So the dogs don't overeat like they do with uh, like O'Roy or pedigree where they eat a whole bunch and just end up fat. And I think honestly, that's really America's obesity problem. Isn't as much uh, overeating. I mean, don't get me wrong. We, um, Americans overeat, but I think that uh, it's more to blame on the lack of nutrients, the, the complete nu- nutrient deficiency in the food that they're eating. That's making it so they need to keep eating. I think it's a combination of that and also issues with like inflammation and, and like retaining water and bloating and things like that, because I will, I can't tell you how many times in the last like year or two since I've been probably the last year since I've kind of like settled on like the, the proper elimination diet. I've been working on this for a long time and I kindly found the thing that has like a super high success rate with almost everybody. And someone might come to me for any variety of things, but even if they're just coming because they want to lose weight and they may come with the goal of like over the time they're working with me, they want to lose 10 pounds and then they'll lose like all the weight that they had planned to lose in the first week. And it's impossible that it could be regular weight because they're eating plenty of food, particularly plenty of fat and protein. But we just find out how much inflammation they had going on in their body and then also how much water they were retaining as part of that inflammation. But also like one of the mind control tricks that has worked masterfully on the American people is everybody's almost everybody is over consuming water um, to the point where they've like diluted the concentration of minerals in their body, which is like wreaking all kinds of havoc and lots of problems that people like to blame on much more exotic like sounding problems um, are actually just the fact that they're super mineral depleted. And so when that happens, you get into this scenario where you're simultaneously dehydrated, but also like basically drowning or bloated um, because the water can't get into the cells. If you don't have enough minerals, the water just sits outside of the cells on top of your muscles and creates that like puffy look or you feel like bloated yeah, or you can push it in and you, your finger yep. like fingerprint stays yeah yep. and part of that is also uh is this war against uh uh sodium now i'm not saying overeat sodium and i'm not saying eat iodized sodium but specifically among your cellular salts sodium is one of your 12 cellular salts and it's the one that sets the electroconductivity of your system so without uh, sodium, no no signals getting carried, and that's why that water is not able to do anything. As far as your body's concerned, it's dead. Yeah, no, I've my whole life I've been very salty. I've always wanted to eat a lot of salt, um, but I, in particular, like my favorite salt to use is the Malden salt because you can see the proper pro, uh, proper electrical like current flow in the actual salt itself. It is literally a striated pyramid, the pieces of salt are. Like it literally looks like a radionics board. That's what the piece of salt looks like, right? It comes in these like pyramid-shaped crystals. Um, and so it's kind of doctrine of signatures type of thing, right? You can look at it and know that there's something about, about this that is right. But I've always consumed a level of salt that like everyone in my life who goes to the doctor and takes the medications that they're prescribed 
tells me is going to land me in the hospital or with high blood pressure or some kind of shit like that. I never have any of that. They all have that, even though they don't eat salt. And when like at least once or twice a year, something goes wrong in their body and they end up in the hospital, the first thing they do is charge them 200, 300, $400 for a bag of salt water. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I'll stick with what I'm doing. You, you enjoy what you're doing. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> What, couldn't agree more. It, it, it's insane, and the same and the same thing with fat, fat and and sodium. Like myself, I take in a, a lot of salt, like you, um, and then uh, and we even like mixing it up. Uh, the last time we talked, you told me about the molten salt, um, but uh, and so I looked that up, and I'm and I've been checking that out. That's so absolutely fascinating. But we have like four or five different kinds of salts, I think. Uh, and then, uh, uh, I take in a, a very high fat diet, a super high fat diet, uh, and that they've told people, you know, to eat all these non-fat things. Like, uh, my uncle, he told me he pulled up a box of little Debbie's once and he goes, look, I can eat the whole box. It's got no fat in it right there, right there. I'm like, you are stupid. You are stupid. <laughs> you know? Um, it's not how it works, bro. And I didn't, I wasn't into health enough back then to understand, but I'm like, you can't eat pound, you know, two pounds of food and, and be fine, not gain anything out of that just because it has zero fat. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something a lot of us got tricked into in the nineties, particularly to like eat a lot less fat and a lot more carbs and sugar and whatnot. Um, to your point about the salt, there's a lot of really interesting like salts out there, artisan salts. And um, whenever I go to a restaurant, like I carry my own salt with me and this always elicits comments from the servers, sometimes the chefs or the restaurant owner, like they like that, that I carry my salt around sort of with me. I have like um, this little container. It looks like the, what lip gloss used to come in when I was a kid, like lip smacker, but it has salt in it. And so someone always comes over and tells me something about the salt they like. And in this one restaurant that we go to fairly frequently, the server or the hostess came over and, and told me about this one particular salt that's her favorite and asked if I had heard of it. And I can't think of the name right now. I went home immediately and looked it up and saw that like they were, this was six months ago and they were already sold out till the end of the year. So like in May or something, they were already sold out. But when I looked on their website, their salt mine looked like futuristic. It looked like, like when you see pictures of like the inside of CERN or something like that. Right. And it was not uh, machinery. It was like the salt, the, like that was what the salt looked like the way that it crystallized. It had this very futuristic, like you felt like if you went into their mind, you're going through a portal to the other world. And I was like, I want me some of that salt. <laughs> it's the uh, fortress of solitude salt, huh? Yeah. So the salt is cool and you can do a lot of interesting things with salt, both in like, you know, I have some really cool gourmet salts that are like smoked or have like yeah. habanero kind of thing worked into them and, you know, in, in a, just the right kind of way and can get very spicy. And that's kind of cool to like, I know you're a vegetarian, but if you like, if you like steak, just sprinkling a little of that sort of smoked or spicy salt over it you don't need anything else on there for sure right like it just it 
the, the way the flavor carries through with butter, like with fat as well. But yeah, I, I, I dig salt, man. Like you can, it's, it's a, it's a fascinating, I was in um, South Africa on uh, Robin Island and we'll forget for now the fact that at th that point I was still, you know, buying the uh, Nelson Mandela narrative, right? And this was long before I even, anybody was talking about Mandela effects. This was like 15 or 20 years ago. But after we had done the tour, right, which it's actually fascinating where this Robben Island prison was that he was supposedly held. Like, it looks like a very interesting kind of like limestone or and salt kind of quarry. So you have to wonder about the metaphysical properties of the place that he was supposedly staying and what kind of mission he was actually on as opposed to the one we've been told he was on. I think the Mandela effect might be explained here. But when we were done with the tour, like I walked out to the beach and on the, the rocks there, like there was all of these like salt crystals, like it was just crystallizing on the rocks there. And it was like little crystals that had prisms on them. It was like beautiful. Like it looked like some jewelry. And I picked it up and it was just the salt. And I was like, wow, that's some like prismatic, fascinating salt there. And you have to wonder about like the metaphysics of what goes on in the bodies of people who eat salt right like that, right out of the ocean, yeah. perfect saline, like having touched limestone or quartz or something like that. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sure that it's far different than even the high grade stuff that we get if we're buying the fancy salt. Oh, 100%. Like, like, uh, like 100%, like your typical salt, uh, you know, like your table salt, all they're doing is a lot. Like people don't realize that the Morton salt plant is right there at Salt Lake city. And they just you flood these, uh, big fields and then let the water evaporate off. And then they just come scoop the salt up. And, but, uh, that's entirely different. Like even when I'm performing alchemy, uh, to just get the isolation, it'll turn into like a little crystallized powder uh, when you do things. If you just, all you've basically done is made a nice isolate, but you get, you get it down to crystallize, it will crystallize. But there's something different when it structures, when it gets a fine, uh, a real fine structure to it. And I, it, when it applies to like THC, when it's a diamond, the same exact mixture of stuff seems to have a substantial amount more potency and enjoyability. Thank you, baby. Um, and enjoy our light, our living room light just decided to peter out. Uh, the uh, and enjoyability, like or honey. When I buy raw honey, if it's crystallized for whatever reason that tastes so much better than when it's all just mixed together. It's like, it, it's so interesting how uh, the crystallization brings out certain characteristics of things and makes them much stronger. You're muted. <laughs> it's the same reason what, like, I agree. Like I am, um, I make cocktails and I make a lot of my own syrups and things like that for cocktails. And I always notice that like at some point, like I make really good quality stuff, but some little piece of crystallization will happen. And you take a little piece of that and it's just like the, the, the perfect little taste. The syrup tastes good, but when there's just a little edge that crystallized on something or it's kind of like why we like the top of the creme brulee better than we like the stuff that's inside the creme brulee. Just when you have all those flavors 
crystallize, it pressed, you know, there it's, it, there's something magical about the crystallization process. Right. And I understand like, we don't want certain things crystallizing inside of our bodies and whatever, but in terms of in the external world, and then you're going to use them as a store for flavor or taste or quality or whatever. Yes, I do. I agree. Rock candy. <laughs> no, absolutely. It, it just, it's, it's so much more magical. And even though we don't really process crystalline things very well, that's what the mercurial aspects for, you know, that's why you add in the, the water, which is, you know, your solvent, it opens that up. And now all of a sudden this is bioavailable and so much more amazing. Uh, really the, the, the height of where you really want to be is, is taking oil that's capable of crystallizing and, uh, that you've crystallized, mixing that with salt that you've made, you've taken the time to made a structured crystal, not just, uh, you know, the basic crystal powder, but it's actually structured. Uh, and then you do the great work with that. That's like, there's, there's just something about that. I mean, I think that's like sometimes the best, the best, the best thing you can eat has like a little bit of melted ghee or clarified butter. So perfect fat, right? Per that kind of thing. And then just a little bit of the mold and salt. And when you taste that, like on top of your, whatever you're having with your butter and salt, it's just like, that's the magical bite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just fresh sourdough bread. When Christy makes sourdough bread in the, in the um, wood stove over here and you put raw butter on it, like, oh my God. God, yeah. there's just no reason to even mess around with anything else. Yeah. Once you start eating raw food, period, like raw, yep. my cow milk tastes like some, you like what? Christy likes the cultured butter. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like cultured. I like raw. I was getting this raw butter for a while at Erewhon in Los Angeles that like, it tasted like cheese. Like whatever they were doing was phenomenal because I generally don't eat too much cheese, even though I like it. Like for some reason that can sometimes lead to congestion and whatever for me. So I don't eat cheese too often. If I do, I try and eat like a really good quality raw one or I stick with goat cheese, but this butter tasted like cheese. So I was able to basically eat cheese without having the unpleasant side effects of the cheese. And so I was consuming way more butter. I was just like slicing it like it was, you know, pieces of cheese and onto the... <laughs> do you happen to know what your blood type is? Um, so I am, uh, I do know what my blood type is and I'm, I'm not going to say not because it's a huge secret, but, um, I'm part of the weird phenomena that's going on. I don't know if you've heard of this, of people whose blood type has changed, right? What? Yeah. You've not, so the, you've not heard of this? No, no, that's yeah. insane. So, um, it, but what it is, is ever like, I noticed it with myself. Like I had this weird, I did one of those, um, like blood tests you can get at like CVS or whatever. Cause I don't want to give my DNA to anyone. So I did it myself and I was like, well, this is weird. Like, this is not the one that I remember. Right. And then, you know, and, um, it, it, it so like I asked my parents, cause I don't have anything that has the record on it. I asked my parents and they don't remember neither. My mom doesn't remember anything, but my dad doesn't remember. And I'm not going to the doctor to find out what they have on record. 
but I was pretty sure it was something else. Right. And then, uh, about the same time I started having clients because I do nutrition consultations, tell me the same thing that they recently got a blood test and it's different than what they remember. And it's all the same switch from the same thing. Like the one that I was is the one that they were. And the one that I am now is the one that they are now. So I'm like, what is going on here? Right. And all of this was coming about like in the year or so before we got our pleasant visitor for a couple of years and, you know, that changed everything. Right. So I don't know if this is part of that. And that's why they were so anxious to collect everybody's genetics. Right. And they wanted everybody to have to take a test and all of this kind of thing. Right. Um, I don't know if this is part of it. I don't know if it's an entirely separate phenomenon. I don't know if me and all of these other people that I know are just all like misremembering or Mandela affecting our own uh, bodies here. Any of these things are possible. Right. But um, it's weird to me that it's all in the same direction. It's, I haven't had anybody come with like a different starting type and a different ending type who's told me this. It's and, always the same starting type and it always turns into the same starting type. Is it always also always women? No, I've had it with, has it, was it at least the first cup? I think, I feel like I've had, I feel like I've had, I feel like I've had a man say it, but the, definitely the bulk of them are, I can't say for a hundred percent. I'd be lying if I was sure that I've had a man say it, but it's definitely been mostly women. But has there been a man who said it? There's one, but you tend to treat more. I have more female clients, but I do think that there was one man. Um, I do think there was one man. Um, so, yeah. Um, so my question has been, like, is there um, a group of people? Maybe it's a lot of people. Maybe it's almost everybody, but for other people, it's from a different one to a different one with the ability to change to like, it's like a type of shape shifting, like a type of evolving Right. And is this an evolutionary uh, thing? Is this a defense mechanism? Is this frustrating for a group of people because they thought they had designed the perfect, you know what, to get a, a group of people and then those people changed into something? I don't know. Right. Like I have no idea, but um, it's definitely come up enough times that I think it's a thing. That's super interesting, especially with uh, during the last couple of years, the way that. Uh uh, women like Christy, if she goes out in public, uh, which she doesn't do often when she, uh, has her, uh, her period, it, it's distinctly, and depending on how much time she spends in public, like if she goes, if she goes to town for a couple days, when she has her period, it's horrific. She's like, she's agonized with it and had never had that issue before. And uh, I've heard uh, a lot of girls throwing clots at this That's point. Me. And Christy said she throws clots. She out. doesn't. She doesn't talk to me about it that much. It's just not that you know. Yeah, there's definitely that going on. I think. Um, so what's what the part that I think confuses a little bit for me is during the same like in terms of uh, just talking about the effect you're talking about. Um, I around the same time that I was noticing these things, I also went on the carnivore diet strictly for a while. And that seemed to shift the, some things about the menstrual cycle as well. And I still eat largely uh, carnivore, carnivore-ish sort of Positively or negatively? Um, well, I'd say I, my, health, my health benefits in general have been positive, but it definitely changed 
um, the period to like stronger, like, like more intense, right? Like it was like a, a heavier flow and, and whatnot. Right. Um, but, uh, uh, there's, there's, uh, there, it, it's kind of funny how this is all works together. Cause we hear this as, you know, side effects one way or the other, people who took it, people who didn't take it, but have been around people who took it. We hear all that. But we also, a lot of people have told me that, because I don't go to the doctor, I don't go to the hospital, so I don't know what goes on there, but they don't tell you your blood type. They don't keep track of your blood type in the hospital anymore, which I think is pretty odd, right? Remember when we were kids, like, you know, that was a big deal. Like you needed to know in case something happened, then you could know what your blood type was. Like I know a lot of people who don't know their blood type and can't find out by looking at any of their medical records what their blood type is or was. And I don't know if that's part of the whole general, like they want to confuse everything because there's going to be all kinds of things in the blood. Or if all of this craziness is a response to the fact that like people's blood are doing things that they didn't know about, they can't control, they don't understand. And, and it's causing chaos on a level that they weren't, you know, planning on. Right. And, and so, you know, think at the timing that that, that the lockdown happened. And I think there's like, several different kinds of uh, issues that presented themselves in the same time frame as that. Like, I don't know which uh, this was a response to. It's probably some sort of combination because the, the, the weird things that were going on while not obviously connected probably are right. Um, I think there's changes happening to our realm that is wreaking havoc in all kinds of ways and it is advantageous to a certain group of people to have us believing that they're causing it or they're managing it or whatever. But truthfully, I think there's a lot of things going on outside of anybody's ability to, to manage, um, right? Uh, it's a personal thing. You have to learn how to manage your own endocrine system. Um, but I, I think that uh, we're not in Kansas anymore. And I don't just mean That's from like the nefarious you know, fucktard yeah. angle either. I just mean like in general, right, right, right. whatever's going on with the physics of the place that we live and the the neurochemistry because it's alive too and whatever it is, it's happening to the earth and to all of us. Yeah, yeah. Well, the what we think the physics are, we're completely usually wrong on. The, yeah. the laws are pretty simple. But uh, that's this is all very fascinating. Christy and I have been somewhat following the... Uh, blood type diet uh, because she started having some health problems. I'm a vegetarian and she was for years and uh, started developing where her, uh, her hair started falling out. Her teeth started falling apart <clears throat> and uh, she had joint uh, inflammation, um, her real nerve pain. Uh, her nails wouldn't grow. They're real flimsy. Uh, and this was a problem. Well, then also it's very interesting when she was a child, she had super pointy teeth and they actually filed them down. Um, and I'm an A, she's an O and I'm an A. And as an A, you're more A's are natural vegetarians. And I, I think what's going on with a lot of that is the fat solubility of, uh, minerals, whether you can process minerals through vegetable fat or animal fat is I think just basically what we have going on here. And she wasn't processing the minerals through the vegetable fat. 
So at first when she became a vegetarian, she did a detox and it was pretty good and she felt real healthy and then stuck with it to the point where uh, then she ended up mineral deficient. Uh, Because I think most people have a whole lot of locked up minerals inside of them where the, just like with a plant, you can get something called nutrient lock. I think a lot of people have uh, some nutrient lock because they can't process what they have. Yeah. um, So the blood type diet is interesting. It's one of those things to me that like, I certainly don't make any kind of religion of it, but I definitely have read it and consider it like sometimes when I'm not able to solve the issue through my normal means of things that I do, then I will sort of refer to to some of the things I learned from that. But one of the things is, is, and you you alluded to it for sure. Like it's like A's tend naturally towards vegetarianism and O's tend naturally towards more of a carnivore type thing. So like I will very rarely um, suggest that an A go on a carnivore diet or that an O go on a more vegetable kind, right? Like I, I, those are just kind of like the barrier, the boundary walls. It's not that they can't eat from those, those types of diets, but like it's, I, I, I so I, I consider that um, the guy who did the blood type diet, like got further into like doing more specified diets based on like, you know, a bigger read of your genetics, which is a little, at this point, like we all have to be all suspicious anytime somebody wants to collect your genetics before they propose the perfect solution to anything. But it's interesting to know about just from like a, you know, like a scientific or a clinical kind of standpoint that like it really could be that particular. Diet, like this is one of the big, big like mistakes that like we all fell into in the 70s and 80s and 90s when a lot more attention started to be paid to paying to diet. A is that there was a one size fits all solution for everybody, right? And then then B, um, you know, I think we got a lot of things wrong about minerals and fat and 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 stuff like that. I mean, not us personally, but just society at, at large. What I noticed for myself is even the diet that worked for me a year and a half ago, like it's different now. So like for my own self, I pretty much at least once or twice a year, I'll go through like an. When did you discover the blood type change, though? Did did the two things coincide? Uh, well, I I didn't I, I didn't know I hadn't checked my blood since I was like a kid. I remember when I was little and I used to go to the doctor. Right, you'd see your charts and and whatever. And I, I think the last time I'd had any kind of blood thing done had been in my teenage years, and that was what I remember what it was from. And then I just did took a blood test, like a home blood test, a couple of years ago, right? So I hadn't ha- I hadn't looked at anything like that. I don't go to the doctor, so I don't pay attention to that stuff. But I have a pretty good memory, and I my whole life I had thought it was this one thing. So it's possible I was wrong, or my parents were wrong, you know, kind of thing. I don't know, but I've heard it from enough other people that we can't all be wrong in exactly the same way simultaneously. Like that feels wrong. I'm just me. curious if the, if that shift like your diet shift happened after if you know let's you know hypothetically say your blood type did shift right did your diet shift after the blood type shift because now you're a different blood type now your chemistry's different your system's different now you want different foods well i will say this that i was a, a, a i'd say i'd had like a normal diet like you know kind of varied that most young people have till i was 14. And then when I was 14, I became a vegetarian from 14 till I was like 29 or 30. I was a vegetarian with very few deviations from that. 
And then when I was 30, I started to eat meat again, but I'd say I went into like just a balanced kind of diet for a number of years um, that got increasingly into like a lot of sugar and not good things as, as drug addiction increased at a certain point. Um, but when I started to pull my health together was when I was 39 or 40 and I was eating like at that point, like a diet mostly designed to like deal with candida. So I was eating like very little carbs and sugar and things like that. But other than that, pretty, pretty balanced diet. And from there I moved into paleo and then keto and I did keto with a lot of success for a period of time. And then it like all of a sudden really stopped working for me. And um, it took me a while to figure out, figure that issue out. And carnivore sort of helped reset me for a bit. And then I kind of found what works for me. But what works for me works because I cycle it and I pay attention to changes like each time. So probably two times a year, on a more major basis and maybe a little more frequently on a more like in a more minor way, I reset down to like a few foods that I know for sure work for me. And I will just eat those things and nothing but those few things for a couple of weeks. And then I will start adding other things in one food at a time to like test them to see if they work for me or how I feel, if it changes my sleep, my biomarkers, all that kind of stuff. And like some of the things that were not, okay for me last year, like this year when I did it, they're okay. And I'm not having the same kind of responses to those foods that I had. So some of this could be that we're changing on the inside, our environment's changing, soil's changing, everything's changing all the time. So this idea that we should have a static diet throughout our entire life is not right. What people really need to do is learn how to pay attention to what their body is doing with the food they're eating. Like not even everybody processes food the same way. Some people can't methylate certain foods. Some people over methylate. Like if you eat, you and I, if you and I eat the same food, right? Like you might sweat and stink like onions. Let's say we both eat onions, right? Like you might sweat and be like stinky and like anyone who's around you can smell it. And I may not, I may not smell, but like I might have bad gas or like a bad bathroom situation of the next day or something. What, people's body do with the same food, not like what, what it's doing lets you know how it's processing the nutrients and how good of use your body is making of that. There's clues all around and everybody's just thinking about, okay, it has vitamin A and it has zinc and this many calories or this much fat and not paying attention to like what, if anything, actually your body is doing with it and how much work is your body doing to extract the small amount of nutrition maybe right? Like if you're in this scenario where you go through all this digestive struggle to eat some vegetable that you think is good for you because it has this mineral or that vitamin, but like it causes all this other discomfort or other problems to get to it. That's like paying a dollar to get a penny. And that like, in the, that is like pretty quickly going to get you to fatigue, not feeling well, all kinds of other agitations going on. Pretty sure huh? you're talking about. I'm pretty sure you're talking about lentils. A hundred percent. Like, like anything with lectins or like legumes or beans or things like that. Seriously, man, you've got to make the pilgrimage of to Mecca for like one bite of gruel.
I'd never had lentils and Christie's from California. So, you know, they're all about these crazy superfoods. Like my, my least favorite is actually quinoa, which tastes absolutely like dirt and ass. But it's like, oh, but we got to eat. Why? It tastes horrifying. But freaking uh, she had she had made uh, lentils and they tasted actually good, like in a barbecue type thing. It was like a like a barbecue sandwich. Oh, I've never had such gastrointestinal <laughs> distress in my life. I thought I was going to actually start levitating. I was like, oh, no. My body said no. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I've never – lentils have always been one of those foods that, like, I, I cannot believe people eat them. But some people are like, oh, the lentils are so good. I remember, like, probably the first year Laura and I knew each other, she was still living in Colorado – but she had been to India and had some like really good stuff there, some soup, some dal soup, and she made it at home. But she didn't know how to make it like they made it. She didn't process the lentils the same way or whatever. And I just remember she had made this huge pot. So she insisted on eating it all week. And it was just like the stomach was out to here. The gas was unbelievable. It was like, you know. Oh, well. <laughs> and she's a no. Nobody so they like a Nobody light a cigarette right and like and then with like quinoa a lot of part of it is just like yes it's not for everybody first of all but the cultures that these foods come from the way they handle them before they eat eat them or serve them is entirely different than like what the box tells you to do when you buy it at the store right it generally has a lot to do with how long you've soaked it before you start to cook it in some cases, are they like sprouted or not sprouted? There's like all these things that like the, the quick quick fix box doesn't tell you or even the bag at the health food store or whatnot. So that's part of it. But then like the other thing is like if something is like that hard on the outside, right, and takes that long to soften enough that you can get to whatever treasure is supposedly on the inside. Like I just don't know about that as like a, a, an efficient resource. <laughs> You know? I know it's like soak them three days in vinegar and then, you know, and, and then salt. or you're like, why do I got to do all this? They're, they're freaking, you know, they're, I could just eat something else. Why, why? <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Black, black beans get me and I love black beans. Not like lentils do. I mean, it's just a slight, you know, I'll just be a little bit gassy, but I love black beans. <laughs> well now that everybody understands your ass profile <laughs> people yes. know what to make when you come over for dinners <laughs> yes yes well you know like i don't like all those weird uh uh fake meat things even though i'm a vegetarian i don't do the fake meat nonsense uh you know i don't feel the need like i said i never really enjoyed eating meat uh it, it's just not my thing at all um and I'm not even trying to push the blood type diet. Christy and I are just experimenting mostly because I'm still eating the same diet I've eaten for years and years. And Christy, because of the problems has, you know, with her blood type, tried a different diet and she eat and we get her uh, Wagyu steaks and she doesn't eat a lot of meat, but she eats one small Wagyu steak a day. And we went with Wagyu because that's uh, so high in fat. And like I said, I think it's the fat solubility of minerals that's a problem. And her hair immediately just started growing really fast and thick. Like it actually, it's kind of funny because you can actually see it now when she's standing 
you know, because we don't we have limited lighting. So if she's standing just right, I can see the thin spot in her hair that's like this long. And then you can see where all of a sudden her hair gets just thick. And then it's like thin and wispy after that. It's yeah. super interesting. Yeah. Laura's pretty similar. Like when I met her, like she had been a bodybuilder. So she was used to eating like a low fat, high protein kind of diet, exercising excessively and whatnot. And it, drink, oh, drinking too much water and all that kind of stuff. And when I met her, she had like her hair was not in good condition. And she's always been beautiful, but her body's much different now. And when I told her, I'm like, you need to eat way more fat right? She like went into a panic attack. She was like, thought I was crazy. She cried and whatever, but she started eating, like, as I said, like way more fat and, you know, removing some of the things that she had been mind controlled into thinking were really good for her to eat lots of. And, you know, now it's, she looks completely different. She's, it was beautiful both ways, but her hair is soft and, and, and thicker and fuller. And her body looks completely different. Like the way the weight is distributed on her body is completely different. And she feels much happier and more comfortable. She's lost probably 20 pounds, even though you, when you looked at her before, you didn't see that there might've been that weight to lose. It's just all arranged differently. Right. Um, and it's, but basically it was like three or four times as much fat as she was eating before. You're, you're muted. <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, in the second hour here, guys, I want to talk to uh, Emily. I want to get more into uh, uh, the transition of blood things because there's some real implications and there's actually some other history behind that because then you start looking at uh, uh, marriages and that they used to test your blood. And this was pre-AIDS epidemic and everybody wants to put that on the AIDS thing. You know, the AIDS, but uh, uh, the, the AIDS thing didn't happen until after the where they would test your blood before marriage. So right. it's very interesting. And like you said, uh, uh, my kids wouldn't know their blood. My only one I know that her blood type is because the placenta tore and her blood mixed with her mom's and we didn't have the same blood. And my daughter got very sick because of it because uh, uh my ex-wife actually has the same blood type as uh, Christy. But uh, before we uh, cut out of YouTube, uh, everybody's been asking about the gut bomb. I've gotten in all kinds of hell about that one. So we got us a giant big old pot now. So uh, we can make much bigger batches. And we got that currently going on. So we're getting the gut bomb and the uh, comfort cream going. And, and the Vapor Soothe, which has been really super popular. Uh, and Christy just finished a big batch of that. Um, but uh, before we go, Emily, tell everybody where to, they can find you. And uh, you Absolutely. Awesome. Well, first of all, I have not tried the Gut Bomb or what was the other one you said? Uh, comfort Cream and... Uh, the Comfort the Cream vapor. we have... Is the comfort yeah, you guys, got the, okay. you guys got the, yeah. Yeah, so we, um, Laura burned herself hitting Ben's dabs <laughs> in the parking lot when we met. She got dabbed by the dabs. Um, and she burned herself. And Christy, like, whips out this jar of cream and puts it on and, and gives us the jar to take. And, like, Laura loved it. Now we've been using it for everything. It smells good. It feels good. It works. So yes, I can I can vouch for that one. 
and oh, burn um, banish. Oh, burn banish. She gave you the burn banish. The burn banish. Yes, but what it, it, it smells. Fab I can. It, it, it works on everything. It smells fabulous. Um, but uh, I did. I. I. When I was thinking about what we might talk about tonight, I never thought we'd talk about what we talked about in this opening yeah, segment yeah, here. This is left field. It does work because I actually am a nutrition consultant. Like that's one of my one of my you know jack of all trades type of things. So uh, if people are interested in sort of an esoteric uh, nutrition consultation type of thing, I definitely do that. You can find all my stuff at emilycmoyer.com. My YouTube channel is Emily Moyer. I have Patreon.com forward slash Off Planet Media. That's the name is still there from the old Off Planet Media days when I worked with Randy. Um, and then I have emilymoyer.locals.com, rockfin.com forward slash emilymoyer. I have all kinds of things going with Danny Katz and Michael Wan and other people. And so I don't know. I'm just talking all the time. And <laughs> thank God it yeah, seems well, to be okay Owen for some people. Just asking about your thing you got going on with Michael. Owen Benjamin was when I talked to him last week. A couple of people yeah, sent me the clip of Owen Benjamin talking about <laughs> Michael and I's show. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. You betcha. So, um, yeah, I, I talk about all kinds of things. Maybe there'll be one or two things I talk about that you all will like. So hit me up. <laughs> Absolutely. And just like Emily, we're going to cut out of YouTube and go over to Rockfin where uh, they are not particularly sensory. Um, and even after the whole Owen thing, Owen's even actually back on Rockfin. Uh, they brought Owen back on. Uh, so... Uh, you know, they've been they've been decent, you know, but uh, and like, like I said, haven't bothered us at all. So we're going to cut out of YouTube and uh, Emily and I can get into the a little bit more gritty parts of things. And uh, YouTube isn't necessarily going to want to let you hear. And we're going to take a little five minute break to go pee because, you know, old men pee a lot. And uh, <laughs> uh, I guess but, that makes me an old man. Right, right. <laughs> old people just pee a lot. Yeah. You're old, though. You're not old. Right, right. But uh, we love you guys, and we'll see you on the other side. See you over there. Um, All right. Potty.
All right, so. we're back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we are. So while while we were on break, Laura did send me. She she went doing a little. Laura's a good say researcher. Hi, Laura. Laura, you want to come say hi? hi She's gonna come say hi. Oh, I'm gonna close that door. Say hi. Well, then Christy's coming to say hi. Hi, <laughs> hi Christy. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. I love your cream. <laughs> that stuff is oh, fucking amazing. You, you, her, Christy and Rose from Crow burn themselves more than anybody I've ever known. So she had to develop something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's awesome stuff. We keep it in the kitchen, and I like I I was telling Emily like I stick it on everything. If I if something hurts, I just slap it on there, and like it. <laughs> Helps magically. It's the magical Balderson cream. So. <laughs> I have a friend and a couple of clients who swear by it as an eye cream. Oh, <laughs> good to know. Good to know. All Maybe right. We'll add that to the regimen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when we see you guys next time, we'll give you some comfort cream too. All right. Sounds good. So Laura has become quite the researcher by like she's for since Michael and I started working together Laura would be sort of she takes notes for the show and whatever we're talking about she'll just start like re looking things up on the fly researching stuff and she's become a very good a very good researcher for the kind of work we do I mean she's a doctor so she was used to doing medical research doing research in like the synchromystic or the metaphysical or or whatever the fuck it is we do kind of realm like it's different, but she's become quite good at it. Um, and so she just was able to find while we were on break that um, a, there are a group of scientists who created what they're calling a mutant enzyme that can change, that appears from research to change people's blood type. Right. And so um, it's, it's uh, you know, it's not. Oh, it's got such heavy implications. Such heavy, heavy. right? And so, and and she's busy. She's dive. She's taken a dive to try and figure out what some of the, um, what some of the they, they they worked on this for a long time to create the mutant enzyme. So she's trying to find out what the sort of elements or proteins or or substances or metals or what what what, what all was involved in it to see if we can take you know take a guess at what might you know be be a source of some of this here. Um, for me, right, like, I, I don't know if it's, um, sometimes when these things happen, you don't know if, like, you're part of the small group it's happening to, or if somehow, like, you are being reserved away from something that's happening, like, some one thing is happening to you and something is happening with someone else. A lot of things, I let a lot of things into my body when I was doing drugs, that I didn't understand at the time, right? I knew I was doing drugs. I knew they weren't good for you, but you like you wouldn't believe the simultaneously shock at, and non-shock when I looked at the research on what was on the tip of the swabs they were doing tests with and some of the things that were in the vials for the, the lollipops and whatever, and how all of them looked like things that I pulled out of my skin or out of my snot or something during the years that I was on drugs. Like there was such, there was one, there was one thing that used to show up in my stuff that 
was so bizarre that it's like, you don't even want to tell anybody because if you tell somebody, they're going to think you're crazy. And literally when there was an article that came out from Johns Hopkins about what was on the swabs that they were using for the tests. And it was exactly the same thing. I was like, wow, that's fucking fascinating. And so I ended up talking about it right on, on, on some shows and whatnot, but there's all kinds of things inside of people's bodies. And generally like, you know, people who are drug users, like nobody cares about them. And if they are having some weird, effect people are just going to say well it's because you're on drugs you're crazy you're you know whatever kind of thing um you know so it's an easy group of people to to experiment on and it's also an e you can track based on knowing where which batches of drugs went to which areas of town or which dealers or whatever uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if there was nano tags in batch in, in in drugs so that they're you know like i'm running around with like blue lights flashing on the inside that their radars could pick up but no, I mean, I think we are in a, um, we're definitely in some weird genetic ter territory right now. And I don't know if it's based in trying to make something happen or to stop something from happening, or if it's, you know, different groups, different things, but it's going on. It, it, it's so very interesting because in this community's uh, efforts to to get by the myths, the 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 lies that we've been fed, there's also some truths that got pushed out of the way too. Like uh, macroevolution definitely is nonsense, but microevolution, we're microevolution machines, and it, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, you know, obviously through time, we're going to, we're going to uh, evolve, you know, uh, like I said, micro evolve. We're not going to like uh, grow wings or, you know, something like that. But the way your system functions, uh, which is, which makes your uh, diet, the way you're doing it very brilliant because you're, you're regularly checking your system. Uh, but there's a micro evolution. Now, when you talk to Matt Powers, um, if you ever talk, listen to him or talk to him, um, what he talks about, because he actually does uh, microbiology and he has access to all this equipment and he's very open about it and he records his videos and everything else. And he's part of a whole, uh, he calls it citizen scientist type consortium. And uh, so he's not down, he's not in our world necessarily, but he's not really down with uh, the mainstream. So what he talks about is horizontal DNA transfer. Like everything you breathe, everything you eat, everything you touch, you know, you go into a new environment, your body needs to start evolving to it. And it does that through this uh, uh, horizontal DNA transfer where you're taking in and then your body is adjusting accordingly to what it's getting taken in. Um, well, with everything in the last couple of years, again, when you put uh, the way women, you know, and just because men don't exhibit that, that doesn't mean we aren't feeling it. We don't have periods. And just because we don't have some kind of a uh, uh, very upfront symptom uh, doesn't mean we also aren't experiencing it. Although I do think women might take a little bit more horizontal DNA transfer than men do take, take it in a little bit better. Uh, 
where men I think don't adjust as much. We're just in general more stable. But the last couple of years, whatever's going on out there, now would this be a side effect of that? Because there's so much to to ask that we can't ask anymore in this country, like haplo groups. You know, blood types is such even a very basic thing. They had narrowed it down, whittled it down pretty hard just to get to blood type where there's all kinds of information inside of your personal body that you don't get to talk about because it's uncomfortable in this country for some weird, weird reason. Um, But when you start looking at it, like I said, before that, they had marriages. Uh, You had to check and see... uh, your blood type against your partner. And, and I'm not sure, I don't know what all they were checking. You know, I don't work in that, in those labs, but apparently there was something in between different blood types that they would reject. You, you weren't supposed to marry these people. Uh, so that's, that's just super interesting. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to, uh, stop talking for a minute, but just in a minute, I want to talk about uh, there's a real uncomfortable subject that this even goes along with when you start looking at overall things. Uh, but uh, I want to hear what you had to say about all that. Yeah, I want to respond to like to two things that you kind of said. I want to respond to this sort of horizontal uh, DNA transfer idea. And then I want to respond to the idea that like certain blood types are not supposed to mix. Um so as far as the horizontal DNA transfer, what it reminds me of is this, and I talked about this like years ago when I was doing the Sugar as Programmable Matter series, I had one segment on vaping, okay? And I was very concerned about vaping, uh, like the kind that, you know, the e-vape, not, I'm not talking about marijuana or whatever. Where, 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 it, smell, where it smells like somebody just uh, pooped out a pastry. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> completely, right? So like what, what the whole sugar is programmable matter series was like pretty much downloaded information that kind of came to me while I was sort of exercising obsessively in the grief of the death of a friend and mentor of mine, who was, who was a nutrition person who I learned a lot of stuff, who she was my mentor. Right. Um, And I feel like it was like maybe uh, when she went uh, a field of information about nutrition beyond what she even knew about was shown to her, opened up to her from the other side. And she was kind of sending it back to me like, Hey, check this shit out. Right. So I got into all kinds of things about sugar. And what's funny is so many of them have, have played out in terms of like big research studies that have come out about things that like I said in my crazy, like it was the first year I was doing shows. I was so unpolished and I said all this shit and it sounded crazy. Like literally people would comment in the section, like this girl's fucking high as a kite. Right. And then like, you know, Brown university is tweeting out basically what I said was true. Right. A couple of years later. So it may have sounded crazy, but it was right. But the segment on vaping was based on like what was kind of shown to me about how when we breathe, we're taking in all of this information about our environment. We're like running it through our system, seeing what, how our system responds to it. And then we're breathing out all this information going from our system back out into the environment to inform that. And there's this back and forth going on constantly between what's inside of us and then the atmosphere or the environment. And when I was talking about the vaping, because 
it, you know, it's got all kinds of metals inside of it. And then there's this sort of sugar aspect to it. Like you, I would go to parties and like people would just have these huge smoke puffs. It's like a chemtrail or like a fog machine, right? With smells like, you know, grape hot dogs or whatever the fuck it is, right? Kind of thing. And um, I felt like it was, it was holding people's consciousness, not the state of their body, the state of their mind was being blown out and like other people were breathing that in. And it was part of how they were creating a hive mind in certain sort of environments, right? And why, how this was so popular with kids and, you know, and whatnot. So that was kind of my thinking on it then. But what you're talking about in terms of the horizontal DNA transfer, anytime you go into a new room, you need meet a new person, you're doing like this really interesting kind of information exchange. When you shake hands with somebody, like millions of years of your ancestors, you know, genetics and experiences and all of this kind of stuff is, is meeting theirs and exchanging. And in some ways it's kind of like, I mean, we think of like cops going around and like going through someone's trash, trying to get a DNA sample if they're trying to bust a rapist or a criminal or something like that. Like the amount of information that is exchanged, obviously when you're romantically connected to somebody, but like even if you're working out together and exercising or you go into someone's like environment and home and stay there for a bit and you're leaving all of this information about yourself and taking in all this information about their environment and the people that are in their environment, like it's what is what kind of data like think about all the processing and the data and the information that's being exchanged and created like it's a phenomenal amount of information so i thought about that right there's no time that the like we we worry about what the nsa is collecting about us on our computer and shit like that and if we're downloading something bad off of a website every time we breathe our environment, which is definitely augmented now from what it used to be, but it's maybe always been going in that direction, is collecting all this information about us and we're taking in all this information about it and there's this exchange that's going on and it is altering itself in response to all of us and we are altering our, we are making changes inside of our system to deal with what the information out here is. It, it's quite a fascinating topic that you could go balls deep in a million directions on. Um, so there was that. And then what you said about banning people from with certain blood types from getting married. Okay, sure. We all understand that like, you know, it's pretty common that in most cultures now they don't want you marrying your cousin or your brother, but this goes beyond that. Right. And in my head, there's like, okay, I, I have this theory that the periodic table, right. And, and, and you know, and, and, like the elements on the periodic table are represented by characters in like, like the Bible, like, like uh, religious texts or uh, stories like the Odyssey or the Iliad myths like that. Okay. And that in the Bible, whenever I never read the Bible, I'm not religious, but in all of these stories, like when these two gods or these two characters come together, there's always a battle or a war or flame throwing or explosive, you know, whatever it is. I think it's code for if you put these two elements together in the body, you're going to have a problem. There's going to be a reaction that causes fallout, what seems like war, chaos, illness, death, mass death, plague, blah, 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 blah. And it's like a very highly encoded sort of tomb of information about what things you're not supposed to put together. And 
our blood is made up of all of these different metals and minerals and, and, and stuff, right? It's like all these different elements that we think of as being very much alike because all of our blood basically looks similar. Well, at least until the last two years. And apparently now some people have coffee grounds and, and calamari and I don't know whatever the heck is going on. Right. But because it's all red and fluid and we recognize like some's a little more red, a little more orange, but it's all red and blood. But like what it's made up of could be absolutely entirely different. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, I'm getting to the place with how I see genetics and maybe this is taking us into the conversation that's uncomfortable that you're wanting to have. I don't know. Like, I don't know if eugenics is about what people think eugenics is about, right? Like I think it keeps, it, it keeps things very surface level when everybody thinks it's about racism or like doing away with the, the Jews or doing away with the blacks or, or, uh, you know, trying to get everybody to have blonde hair and blue eyes that keeps everybody focused on and arguing about the wrong thing. What I think at this point is that the dimensions, layers, levels, realms of reality that a person can access is dependent on their blood. Just like which apartment you can go to in this building is dependent on which key you have. And it's not that like one is superior to the other, but you and I have vastly different genetics. So let's just say that there's like some grand genetic mansion in the sky and you can go into certain rooms and I can go into certain rooms and it's completely dependent upon, you know, that what, what our blood dictates, right? And there's some people that have access to more because maybe their family has been around longer and so they've collected more sort of keys on their keychain, right? Or just the, the combinations that have happened in the past, right? There could be, maybe, they, maybe there's been transhumanism in the past that changed some things. We don't know what the answers are. Um, but some people can go places that others can't. And it's a natural human response to be curious about what lies on the other side of a door that you can't open. And I think that that's what this, a lot of this is about is they, they want to control. Did you, did you watch um, uh, the man in the high castle? Right. So it, it's, it's a really good show. It's based on a Philip K. Dick book, but it goes much farther and it, it's really good, but it deals with all of these topics. And it's about this obsession that a certain group of people, class of people, and you can say that this is a class based on genetics, or you could say this is a class based on like um, a managerial class, political kind of thing. It can go either way, who are obsessed with making sure that they, every new thing that's discovered, that they, they, they get there first and conquer it and take it over, that they're full spectrum dominance before anybody else even knows it exists, right? So they want to you know, be set up with full surveillance inside your apartment before you even rented it out to begin with, right? They like it's the, they have this this technology called Dynubenbelt, right? And what it means is the next world. And after they discover that one, then they want to discover the next one, the next one, the next one, and conquer them all before people even know that there's more worlds than one, right? And so it it's not hierarchical necessarily, except for the fact that there's some people that are aware of this that this is how things are. And they're, you know, why would somebody want to collect everybody's DNA and be willing to come up with so many reasons, 
so many, oh, oh, we can tell you what your genetics are, the ancestry, 23 and me. Oh, we're testing for a virus. Oh, we have to check and see if you have HIV. Somebody's obsessed with making sure that they have inspected everybody's genetics and DNA. And my, these are the same people that like, they don't want anybody to come up with an invention that they don't know about before they do it, right? There's like some control freak aspect to this. Um, but I think that that's what it is. I think that our, our blood or our genetics are keys to locks. And there's a lot of locks out there that they haven't found the keys to yet. And, and that most of the people who have the keys don't even understand that that reality exists. So if they can find their genetics first, take over the room and the person never even knows that there was like some magical, you know, realm for them to inhabit. And I, I mean this like metaphorically on some levels, but not entirely. Right. Like, you know, I think that way more things are gene dependent than I don't mean like dependent. Yeah. Gene dependent, genetics dependent than, than we've been led to believe. And when we, get over our outrage about the idea that this could mean something in terms of like racial superiority or hierarchy or oppression or whatever. And just look at what all the possibilities are that, that, that knowing this or having the, the technology to, to like be aware of it, or even, it, I don't even know if it requires technology, but that's just the way they're doing it because they don't have the, the inner magic to, to do it the old fashioned way. I, I don't know for sure, but I think that's what all this shit's really about. Right. And, and, you know, think about how many DNA uh, specimens they have now that they didn't have two years ago. How many locks have been put on how many doors because of that? <laughs> well, and, and my question is how long have they been uh, muddying our DNA? And here's, here's where the the talk gets a little bit, gets uncomfortable. So a lot of people like to go on about the destruction of the nuclear family. And what they don't want to talk about or realize is, is that destruction. Uh, and I don't even know if this was first start when it first started, but where I can first pin it to was uh, when they made incest uh, illegal. And the, the, the Roman Catholic Church decided that incest was a problem. Now, because we've grown up under that, immediately you're like, eh. But when you stop and you think about it, back then, these were tribal people with limited access to travel means. So, of course, everybody in your village was basically related. You were either first cousin, second cousin, whatever. And, and then even in the next, even any, any other village that was even remotely close, it didn't take long before the, the entire bloodlines were mixed and you were absolutely inbreeding. Now, what some of the advantages that happen with that is if you say marry a cousin from your village, she's still about the village, the people in the village or the people she loves She's following the same customs, the same re the religious rituals, the the same types of gods. There, there's a, a real structure there that gets maintained and holds integrity. Now, when they made incest illegal by force, you had to start pulling 
dating out of a pool that was much further out. And now when you're bringing in those people, those people care about the people from their area. That's who they want to see succeed. That's their family. When you have children with that person, when you're gone, like when I'm gone, if I'm not there, Christy is the best voice for me. She's going to, she's going to represent what I want and what, and what I think to her best ability. Now, this person is not going to like, this is part of why so many religions say don't marry somebody outside of your religion. Because then when the, when the fam, when the kids are with one person, it's one thing as opposed to the other, there's a real divide that's happening in inside the family unit. And this was set up and created. Now, not only that, but uh, when you start looking at it, according to the blood type diet, these a lot of this mixing would have happened where like people out in the plains were all intermixed, people up in the mountains were all intermixed. And in in the living conditions is what set our blood type. Where according to that, the the A blood type people lived in in uh small smaller rural areas where uh farming was a big deal and hunting was not such a big thing. Where like people that lived out in the plains where you have vast uh, herds of animals, hunting was a thing and they liked eating them some meat. So, you know, these uh, genetic markers and genetic things developed from that and they they, uh, forced all of that to be mixed together. Now, it's super interesting, the talk that you were talking about, where they, they open up different levels. If we call it, if we change that word to magic, then the people that all their uh, bloods are mixed together would be mud bloods, and they don't have magic. And then the pure bloods have super mad, you know, they're like all magical, and these mud bloods don't. So, so many implications with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, my guess would be that there's, people who are super aware of this, whether it's through like a traditional pass down of information, right? Family, you know, like learning your own culture's magic kind of thing, or whether it was gained through, you know, <laughs> uh, classified science, you know, whatever kind of thing who have gotten to the place where they're, you know, curating, right? They're curating. They're not trying to make, I mean, they like, they like people to believe they're making blonde hair, blue eyed babies that are going to be six feet tall and on the football team. No, like when, like there's been something figured out that when you mix this with this magic happens or some incredible, like, uh, you know, whatever it is, like when, when you, when, when these two things touch in just this way, like, you know, it's kind of like when light hits, you know, a piece of quartz and it opens up a spectrum, like a prism and whatever, right? Like the way certain things hit each other just is different than others. Um, but what you were talking about, um, you know, obviously, you know, there's probably a lot of families that are still practicing that secretly, right? Whether they be wealthy elite families or people off in small groups and tribes who've just, we might call them cults or whatever, right? Like, I think you raise an interesting point. And like most people who would, um, you know, kind of think back at that idea, like, you know, haven't really thought about it. It's just, we've been so programmed to like 
reject anything like that. But you're right. Like if you, if you grew up on an, a, an island and it, you know, then there's like going to be eight choices for you to marry. And that, that it's not, you know, it's not, this also gets getting back into what we were talking about in the first hour to a certain extent about food. You know, have you heard the theory that like, you're not supposed to eat things that are like grown more than a hundred miles or 500 miles or whatever. I can't remember if it's from where you were born or from where you live that like, that's the appropriate, the things that grow in that terrain are correct for your biome. Right. And that if you eat other things, then, you know, that you might have allergies or problems, but this was also, I remember listening to a podcast one time where they were explaining there's like a genetic deformation where people don't have a chin, where like the chin goes right into the 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 chest. You can see it. It's called like a web neck or a web chin or something like that. And one of the explanations that someone was giving was that this is a side effect of people eating a diet that was completely foreign to like where they were born. They were completely eating like the wrong food for their biome and over the, you know, over, over, over the years and the, you know, different generations that this was the effect of that. I just was listening to it one time. I don't know how true or not true, but I know there's a theory about that. Right. And also it's one thing when we go to travel to somewhere else and we taste and experiment with the foods that are local there, because when you're there, that's the local food there. Then when we're having food shipped into Texas from Indonesia and mixing the ingredient from Indonesia with the one from Mexico and sure it tastes good, but what is it actually doing? Right. So we don't, we don't really know, like it's exciting and all that kind of stuff, but like how, how good is that for us? And maybe the question could be asked the same way about, you know, matching and mating and all this kind of stuff. Like I'm not saying it is, but I'm not saying it's not like we don't know and and we're not allowed to talk about it. And you're right. You know, um, and it is. Don't, haven't you always found it funny that they refer to the nuclear family? It's the nuclear family. And we have like nuclear radiation and the nuclear bomb. And all the, all these things are either about fission, putting t- tearing things apart or fusion, putting things together. Right. And, you know, it seems like there's been an effort. I'm a person who isn't really have a regular nuclear family either that I grew up in or that I, that I live in now, but I can see that there's a level of intention to compromise that, that structure. Right. Um, and family is about things together. It seems like there's an, uh, has been for a long time an effort to break things apart, to see what happens when we separate things as opposed to bring things together. And then when we do hear about bringing things together, it's like, always in some not, you know, real healthy or appealing kind of way. But I do wonder if this idea of making travel more complicated, right, is um, in somehow related to a little bit what you're talking about, right? Like less people, you know, certainly for a couple of years, there was a lot less moving about and a lot less traveling, Right. And then if they continue down a certain path, there's going to be a lot of people that used to like to travel that aren't going to be willing to travel anymore. So this is automatically going to stop some of what you were talking about. And I wonder if um, if there's, you know, like they're done with their cycle of mixing everything, this and that, and now they're ready to return to, to something else. And just as always, they're not informing or letting people know about any of this. But I think... 
that once we get away from like our outrage and our gut reaction to why the things that are happening are happening and start to consider other possibilities, we don't have, we don't have to consider the fucktards benevolent or anything like that. That's not what I'm suggesting. But when we stop being mad about like the two or three things that we're like literally being pushed to be mad about and look at the endless array of possibilities as to what could really be going on and why these kinds of questions start to come up. Like what is like, you know, I have a million to me, there are a million possible things that could have been going on from March, 2020 to whenever in 2022, most things opened up that would explain why things were happening that were happening that have nothing to do with any of the narratives we've been told. Yeah. You're, you're, you're muted. Uh, 100%. Just the fact that, like you said, they're, they, they were taking everybody's DNA and they weren't saying that they were taking your DNA, but they were a hundred percent taking your DNA and, uh, uh, you know, getting a, getting it from a mucous membrane and everything. And, uh, they were recording that it, it almost feels like, uh, were they like seeing the results of something, you know, trying to isolate us out and get some results of some something. And, and then when you add compound that with the, that even now they're really trying to kind of lock down on travel. Um, and before they were starting to implement those laws, they just made gas so expensive. Who the hell was going to travel? Like, you know, for the last few years, for the last two years, I mean, in California here, there, there was a, there was a time over here. Uh, I think it was seven, seven eighty or something. Did it go over eight? I, I thought it, uh, um, you know, so, I mean, at that point, even though they aren't stopping you, who can afford it? You know, if you're not rich, um, so yeah, it seems like then they went to an isolation. And then when you add on top of that, they're taking in everybody's DNA. That's just super interesting. That, that that's a that's an interesting combination. Like if I was uh trying to figure out something with my animals, it's the exact same thing I would do. Uh, you know, isolate and then test and see what's going on. Uh and and the the no matter what, the people that are uh controlling think that we're animals we're not the same species as they are uh, flat out we're just cattle i have a slightly different opinion the opinion i have is that well okay so i think that they think most of us are cattle, but i think that there's a few people that they think are let's say interesting interesting Right. And they're, they, they hold these people in like um, high reverence on some level because they're fascinated with what these people can do. And I don't mean this like, oh, someone is so special or someone is better than someone else or someone has tremendous athletic ability or da, da, da. But there's just certain mysteries that they haven't solved that are sort of embodied in specific kinds of individuals. Right. And they're as much as they might want to have disdain for someone who knows something or can do something that they can't do. They're, they're equally fascinated. Right. Um, with with specific people um, or specific groups of people, per se. Um, so it's kind of like. 
It's kind of like, you know, the people, you know, everyone who has a farm, they have like a, a ton of sheep or whatever. And mostly they understand that like their sheep are fairly not super intelligent. They can get them to do this. They can get them to do that. They get them to fall. But there's one sheep that is always doing something different than the others. Right. And it might be annoying, but at a certain point you have respect for that sheep that is different. Right. Um, so I actually think that some of us who don't go along with the crowd, as much as it seems like we're maybe annoying to the system on some level, I actually think they quite, they're quite fond of us. I actually think that like, there's something about, there's something about this that they're all entertained by, you know, someone, you know, like yourself or like myself that is just, you know, doing what we're doing and not doing that. Right. Like, I actually think there's like a, a level of, um, they're humored by it, right? They're humored by it or they're entertained by it or in sometimes sometimes they respect it or whatnot. Um, but there's definitely people who are like insistent on being animals or sheep or whatever. And yeah, like, I just think they're sheep. Like I can't believe the number of people who are just like, well, I didn't want to go through the hassle of the things I'd have to go through if I did, didn't do the thing I didn't want to do. So I just did it. And, you know, <laughs> okay, whatever. Right. So yeah, talk about like you, you were the kid that easily got peer pressure. Like, you know, you just, I, I just didn't want to do the thing. Like, didn't I didn't want to go against the flow. Right. <laughs> yeah. You were the kid that was super easy to peer pressure. Ridiculously easy. <laughs> right. And, so, and so I don't know. So I don't think I, I, while I do think that there's like, I mean, it's obvious from, from the things that go on in this world that, you know, that there's a level of disdain for the common man that is expressed by some of these people. There is also like a fascination and a frustration that for all the shit that they've done, they still haven't quite dominated that spirit yet. You know what I mean? So. Ab absolutely. And, and I've actually agreed with that, uh, uh, especially around the time of the Georgia Guidestones, uh, when that was, uh, when they got, uh, <laughs> blown up or struck by lightning or whatever the end deal of that was. Um, when you look at it, obviously they're the elites. They're a tiny portion and their kids and their families are, are basically, you know, they're very incapable people. <clears throat> well, the, the ones that they consider, I, I, and I've said this, that they consider useless eaters. We also do like the, the and so it's it's super interesting and i and i've said that i actually was saying that around then and i was like i think that they actually aren't against us because we're doing things we're not just the useless eater the ones that don't have a personality don't have a thought they don't they they just there just a, a placeholder and i think that that's the ones they truly like you said i i agree with what you're saying here 100 percent and uh, like I said, I've been saying it since about the time the Georgia guide zones went down. I remember I was saying that quite a bit because I'm like, when you look at the numbers on that, that's not, you know, 500 million. That, that's not just the elites. That's not, there's, there's a, there's another, there's more people here. Somebody that's capable that will, will be productive. And I think that they, at that point think that, you know, because they have the wealth and the money, they're so used to being in charge that 
I'm not sure that they necessarily realize that when the balance gets to that point, that the people that are capable won't go, Hey, but we have no reason to listen to you. Like, you know, but I got the money. Like, I don't care. So, I mean, I think that they're, they're, there must be a resource that they're holding or something that they think that they're going to maintain power at some point when this resets. But I agree. I, I think the ones that they really don't like are also the ones most of us don't like the mask wearers. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. It's not, if you look at what went on, right. I mean, some people were just like happy to like stay home, not work, take their check, not go back to work even when they could have because like, oh, well, the work is only, I make only slightly more than I do with the check. So it doesn't make any, I may as well just stay home and watch Netflix and take the check, right? How many people like, you know, who didn't really need it applied for certain kinds of loans and grants and things like that, right? So there was a great litmus test performed uh, like, you know, in all the ways, right? Like aside from just the DNA and the whatever, right? It was interesting. I mean, I'm sure you, like, I was very, very surprised at some things that people who are some friends of mine chose to do during that period of time, walk away from successful businesses, right? Um, even though they're, or others who, even though they've been anti-government their whole life, or at least for most of their adult life, they decided to like take the business loan that was offered during that time and whatnot, right? Like, and so it, it's it was forgivable. It's forgivable. Right. You know, but the other thing is like, you know, to know what was going on. And this is Danny and I like, you know, Danny and I, when we do our show and we're sitting there criticizing and analyzing all these, you know, people who think they're so smart and who it took them two years to realize this was nonsense, but their path to realization somehow is more honorable than like for those of us who just knew right away that it was bullshit. Like, I don't completely understand that, but like really to, to have solved the mystery of what's been going on, like all you had to be able to do was read. Like this wasn't even like, this didn't take require like years of research or anything like that. Like from day one, if you could read past the first page in any newspaper, if you could, you know, go to even a sort of like, you know, secondary mainstream news source, like the information that should have told you this was nonsense was like right there. So the questions that I have about people who, you know, did a bunch of crazy stuff, like staying locked in their house for two years and watching Netflix and eating everything that wasn't nailed down. And then, you know, taking medication that they didn't know anything about. And all, I have to question whether or not they're able to read. And, and like, that's the only question you can have at the end of all of this is, can you read? Because if you could read, you should have at least had enough questions to go, well, I'm going to wait and see. I'm not going to jump right in and do all the things that all the people are doing. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's been like a tremendous separation of wheat from chaff just from like simple stuff like that. Right. So. Um, and, and, and I'm not a, a religious person, but it's like. It's been fascinating to watch the separations that have happened. The people that like, I don't, that you don't talk to anymore, right? After all yeah. this, even though that maybe there wasn't even a fight or a falling out or an, anything like that, right? Like, um, it was just like, okay, like I saw something and now I can't unsee it. Don't really need to, like, I don't really need to go there anymore. And, and, and I think 
you know, I, I'm maybe this is going to make me unpopular. Like I, the last couple of years were great for me. It was a really good time to get to know yourself, to see what you're made of, to like know which people are your people and which people aren't your people. And it doesn't even have to mean that there's anything wrong with those people who aren't your people. It's just like, yeah, like this was a great exercise in learning discernment about like what is okay with you and what is not okay with you. And, you know, sure, we had to go through like some annoying things, but, you know, on the other side of this, like, aren't you glad that you know that that person who like acted like a total ass to you, like, you know, they, you know, they're not cool now. And before that you thought they were cool. Right. Like, and, and that's just, to me, there's a few people who like, you know, I held in the highest regard and who were like, you know, inspirations and teachers and mentors to me that did things that I was like, Hmm, I don't know about that. And I saw that and I can't unsee it now. So good to know. Well, the ones that went the mask route and the, the government route, the vitriol, all of them seem to have. You're like, wow, you were that cool with just forcing me. That cool with it. Yeah, and it's hard to hard to be around somebody like that because what's the next thing that they decide? This one was ridiculous. How much, how much more ridiculous does it have to get before you guys uh, quit? Uh, conceding your power to the government and then also trying being mad at me for not doing it. Like how yeah. ridiculous does it has have to get before you yeah. get there? Yeah. And it's funny to like watch how like some of them now are like, Oh, well, I wasn't ever really that much believing it, but then right. Like that's why it's funny to watch. Let me ask you this question. I want to go back to, cause you live in a completely different environment than I do. Right. Yeah. So, and this gets into. And we're blood. both not apologetic about it. Just completely no repentance. Like we both love our environment. It's great. I love my environment, right? Like I am a city person and it isn't, I love this city. Like I've had some experiences in the last few weeks and months where I like, I, I realized how much I really like living here. Like I love it here and I love lots of cities, but I've never quite felt the same way about another one that I feel about this one. But when you go outside, right, because I have lots of things to, like, look at and, like, there's just lots of stuff in my environment. You have some, lots of stuff in your environment, but it's a completely different set of stuff. Does When you go outside, do you feel like you're in the same place every day? Or do you, right, do you feel like, oh, like you're, like, to me, some days I feel like I'm in a world that has been muted or turned on or turned off or I'm getting this version of it or that version of it. Right. And hmm. this goes to the thing I was saying before about like certain people with a certain set of genetics. Like I'm wondering about like the ability. To, and when I say ability, just for the people out there who think that they're special because they think they have abilities, that's not what I'm talking about to like discern certain small differences. Like someone who has a really good sense of smell, right? Can like tell you every note that's in the perfume, every, if somebody walks in who has a smell, you might not know that like somebody just walked in that smells, you know, like the, the, the alteration in our environment 
is so subtle, but very, very noticeable to me sometimes. And I'm curious if you ever experience anything. And I, and I don't know how much of that is skewed by the energy of the city for me, right? Because there's other lots of people here, other people, lots of things going on. But do you have that? Like, I mean, I'm sure you go out and check certain things on your property all every day, certain times a day. Do you ever feel like this just ain't the fucking same place it was yesterday? Oh yeah, for sure. The, 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 the environment around here vastly changes and you can a hundred percent feel it. Um, one of the ways uh, that uh, a, a recent experience that most of the, the listeners know about uh, my dog was attacked and uh, the property was very peaceful before that. Um, and then after that dog attack where mama dog got attacked, we've had like five different dog fights between our dogs and it wasn't anything like that, you know, uh, you know, they were, you know, scuffles, but that's something that doesn't happen on the property. And, and a hundred percent, we feel, I, I think we actually are, are more sensitive to it than usually most city people. Mm-hmm. I, and maybe I'm completely wrong. You know, but uh, like when Christy and I were uh, traveling to Flattoberfest, um, the one of the really noticeable things, because we've for so long now been kind of isolated out in the mountain, was a that all buildings in the city buzz like a like a bee's nest. Like, I don't know how you can hear how anybody hears anything. The whole build, building is just um Jason and uh, Rose's house, I like had to like dang near cover my whole head with a pillow and my ears and everything, um, you know, because Jason's got a lot of uh, really amazing electronics and whatnot. But all of that, I can hear it all the time. Uh, you know, little things like I remember when I was younger and I didn't live off grid, but I lived in a, on a farm. I didn't realize my screen. Like, because I live completely off, off grid and my house is dead silent. Like when the cats are getting mice, they scream. It's horrifying sounding. Like it wakes me up out of a dead sleep. It's like, oh no, you know? Um, so these little shifts in like energetic shifts, because, uh, I feel like people in the city, are subjected to more input and it's like that archaics fella when they i was listening to this uh, guy talk about it and he says one of the ways that that guy gets so many people to follow him is he does this thing called gish galloping and where he will throw out a whole ton of information and you don't even have time to process any of the information much less you know process it and and realize that it's not right, you know, and start picking apart problems in it. You're already 10 steps behind by the time you stop to try and do that with the one thing he said a minute ago. And so you have no time to process. Well, I think people in the city are subjected to so much more input. It's harder for them to feel them weird little shifts where all of a sudden, like the whole property, like, uh, and this was like four or five days ago. Every animal on the property was jumpy, fighty. Everything was like, uh, just like anced up. And, and it did not feel like my normal, uh, normally our house, our farm is very symbiotic. Everything's kind of laid back and mellow. Uh, 
you know, everything moves at kind of a slow pace, except for the babies, you know, which everybody's irritated at most of the time. Um, <laughs> uh, running around, pissing all the adults off. Uh, so with that subtlety, them shifts really are easy to notice. And then all of a sudden there's this entire difference to the farm. Like it's just not the same. It's, it's super interesting. But I think, again, I think that's easier for country people to actually notice those things. So that's interesting. Like, I wonder, like, like if we step away from like anything super far out there in paranormal or wackadoodle multi-reality kind of thing, which is always on the table for me. Like, I wonder what could account for that? Like in your environment, could it be something as simple as um, uh, an animal that had not been in the area before is now in the area and everybody is feeling that? Could it be that like somebody three farms over put some weird chemical on one of their crops and like the entire, like all of the things are connected under the ground and everything is responding right? Like that there's this intelligent response to the fact that, uh-oh, something has changed here. And just like we feel like a hair stand up on our neck, it's like everything in the environment goes like that. What I notice here, like, I think you're right on a lot of levels. Like, I know what you're talking about, about that buzz. Like, I've been in buildings where you can feel that buzz and others where you can't. A lot of times it has to do with the age of the building or like what the what the building materials are, what all is going on in there. But I know what you're talking about. But I pay a lot of attention to um, the ground, the sky, the water, what the buildings look like, how the light is hitting them. Uh, I, I, pay, I, I have a lot of things that like, because I, I, I go outside every day to the same area. Like I have certain things that it's almost like I'm checking or monitoring or measuring them that I'm always aware of. But one of the things that has been the most noticeable is there are certain strange behaviors or strange movement, like uh, the way people move, that if I see one person moving that way, I'm going to see 100 people moving that way that day, right? A and, you know, if I, if ever, if, if I see like uh, certain kind of weird activities going on, then like everybody, lots of people are engaged in that. Or some days it just seems like the city's completely turned off. Like, you know, when you go to um, the store and they have their open sign on, the lights on. So the, the neon sign is on. And every once in a while, they won't have the lights on, but you go in and they're open anyway. They just forgot to turn the sign on. Sometimes it feels like the city's not turned on, right? But the weirdest thing is the movement, right? There are some days that everybody I see out there on the trail is moving like they have like some type of uh, neuropathy or that they're neurologically like damaged or they're moving like they're like animals or something like that as opposed to people. And once you see one, once you see really one really strange gate, like, you know, you're in for it. And then I'll see lots of them. And I almost wonder if there's like something in the, and now we can get into like frequency stuff and that could be that could be a factor where you are too, because just being away from the city doesn't necessarily, you know, protect you from that. But I also just wonder about like atmospheric conditions, right? Like all kinds of like the way light is coming in, like how, how, how much light is coming in from the sky through, whether it's because of chemtrails or regular clouds or whatever, 
Like how much more sensitive to these things are we than we're led to believe or that we even understand about ourselves, right? It's, it's fascinating to watch. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't like, I don't, I don't think I'm participating in that, but I don't know that when I say that, like just my awareness that, okay, this is interesting. Like I noticed that this is going on or that's going on. If you're having the awareness to observe that you're probably not participating in it, but is somebody else out there observing a separate set of strange behaviors and people that I am part of. Right. And like, what is like, what, <laughs> right. So it's like, there's, things are so complicated right now. And maybe they've always been this way. There's just more stuff to look at right now. So there's like factors on factors on factors on factors with everything. Um, but it, it, it's a, it, it's a holodeck on a level that it's never been before, just in terms of like what's going on. Right. If I go outside, I can say, Oh, I was out there. This happened, this happened, that happened. And you say, I was out there five minutes before that. That's not what was going on. It was like this. It was like this. It was like this. Right. It's just chaotic that way on a level that like, I think that augmented realities uh, is at a level that people aren't recognizing yet. Right. Like I think that, and I don't know how much some of the augmenting of reality is like, like we were talking earlier, like genetic specific. Right. Uh, I think one of the reasons they're encouraging so many people to microdose and there's been this, you know, huge move to legalize psychedelics is so that people won't recognize the augmentation Ooh. that's going on around. Yeah. And it was over, it was almost overnight. Like overnight. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like there was this fight, fight, fight for cannabis, fight, fight, fight. And then all of a sudden everybody, because I go to I go to sessions in California. Which is basically because I was on medical before it was ever legal because I have grand mal seizures, and this the cannabis stops me from having the grand mal seizures. So I was uh, I was one of the big examples that you know like why they were doing this, um, and then so it went from you know all these fights about the cannabis industry to all of a sudden mushrooms were everywhere, and and it and then like within months it went from not just uh, you know, oh, here's some green, you know, blue greens, you know, uh, it went to, uh, do you want a penis envy? Do you want a this? Do you want a that? Right. Do you want open cap, closed clap, uh, mutated albino? You're like, what? Where? Yeah. Well, and, and it's and like housewives, like, like housewives, like people who like have probably never smoked pot or even done it, drank a shot of whiskey or suddenly like I'm microdosing. <laughs> um, so let me, let me tell you this one other thing. And then I, I need to wrap it up soon. Cause I, I have, I have a, a work thing that I have to, to do. Um, did you see that um, there's a, a study that's being done uh, with drip DMT? where they're able to, you know how like when people do DMT, it lasts for such a short time that like they're in this crazy place, but by the time they're oriented to it, it's over, right? And then you, everyone remembers like the Rick Strassman spirit molecule stuff where they gave people high doses, right? But they just think they did it like in, in like one shot, right? Like they did it and then their trip might last an hour. Well, this is like drip DMT, where it's like you get a little bit and a little more, and then it builds and builds and builds. So you can orient yourself to the environment and then stay in it long enough 
to to you know like basically report clear like to understand the layout of hyperspace right so graham hancock <laughs> graham hancock you know ancient apocalypse was on joe rogan or i think it was on joe rogan talking about it and gets right and was talking yeah, about how that's where he got all his fame from was rogan yeah how wonderful this is and he says they're doing a study on this like the study is happening at imperial college of london and i'm like oh yeah let's all trust the dmt realm to the fuckers who gave us two weeks to flatten the curve <laughs> seriously right they're the ones who gave the model and said oh millions of people are going to die if we don't stay in a house for two weeks and people and and people are applauding the fact that now they're doing the drip dmt and like mapping out hyperspace study i'm like yeah no <laughs> but this is like this this gets into that you know the augmenting of reality in a way right that um you know they're 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 mapping out that hyperspace that that stuff that is there but just outside of visible perception right and what they can do with that and and when i heard that the the Lent imperial college thing i was like mm -mm. yeah i'm not no. i'm suspicious i'm suspicious of all of this like i'm not i don't want any mushrooms from a shop or anything like that no, no, exactly. And, and even even out of the shop, the, the problem that most this it's going to turn into the same phrase. I'm, I'm almost done, honey. Um, it's going to turn into the same problem that the food industries have has where uh, GMOs became such an overwhelming thing that we now think wheat is the actual problem or that gluten right. is the actual problem because you've never had access to a wheat that wasn't this. Yep. And, and when you go and eat that wheat, that wasn't this now it's an entirely like now your body's like, wow, I can use this. Um, yep. And so when, uh, when they take control of anything like that, the same, we we're already seeing the same thing in the cannabis industry where cannabis that's coming out of the dispensaries, despite having all this paperwork telling you that it's the hootie who, you know, fairy dust bullshit, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Uh, you know, it doesn't have the, the same quality in any way, shape or form. And government never makes things better, uh, flat out. And if they're getting into psychedelics, we've all seen Clockwork Orange. We've all seen it. They don't have to hold your eyes open like this anymore. You do it. You sit there with your eyes glued to the screen. Uh, Christy actually microdosed and was watching. Uh, we were watching American Gods at the time, and the opening scene of that is so creepy. And the the you know the right. like really creepy music and the red, and they're showing all the different disturbing things. And she could and she about lost it watching that. And it's like what. You know, what? Well, yeah, it was on replay, yeah. But you imagine that uh, the different government controls that they've already implemented and now you start psychedelic, you start giving, dosing yourself. Like, wow, that's a whole new level of you chose it. You chose it. You're choosing to take in that, that programming. You're choosing to dose yourself with mind-altering sub, uh, substances that allow you to be more programmable you're choosing every bit of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I have no problem with the microdicing or the mushrooms or the whatever, but the idea that legalization and moving 
something that comes from the earth into the the control of the white coat class, <laughs> right? That that have delivered us all of the other goodies is insane. Like that is not progress, right? These things, like these experiences, if should you choose to engage them, are individual scenarios, right? Each person needs to decide for themselves if they're going to partake in that, what their relationship is going to be, and what the things they experience and learn while under the influence of those things mean. And no one else can tell you that. And I can't think of anything like more soulless than sitting in a doctor's office taking mushrooms. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and my only problem with microdosing is if you macrodose, you're more like to... to like if I'm gonna take and do uh, mushrooms, I'm not gonna take you know a little bit. I'm gonna. You I don't know, either. I, I don't microdose. I, I like the macrodose. Yeah, <laughs> and so I'm gonna mentally prepare myself. I'm actually right. not gonna eat anything all day because I, you know, and, and I'm not gonna do it till it's you know early evening, you know, before the sun sets. So that way, you know, come evening time, it's about when it's hitting me. I'm not. I I'm mentally prepared. I'm physically prepared. Where with microdosing, you, yeah. you're not going to take those steps. You're going to be more uh, lackadaisical and it's going to turn into an everyday thing. And during the everyday is when they're programming you. Yes. Like that's when you are getting programmed. That That's my only, not that I have an issue with the the, Correct. the substance itself. It's the, the way they're pushing it, the way yeah. they're using it, the way that all of a sudden there's 50,000 strains of uh, mushrooms in all these different mutated uh, uh, right. varieties and different things like that available to the public. Like, right. bam, just, I have a, I, I really have a problem with it. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I don't, I agree with you. Like, first of all, for me, it's like, why waste good mushrooms on microdosing? Just save them all up and have a good time. <laughs> like, that's kind of my, but I agree with you. I think that the experience needs to be separate from your day-to-day -day life, not just all mushed in with it, right? You know, and for me, I'm not going to tell anyone else what to do. I think everyone should be able to do, able to do what they want to do. But um, it is interesting how it's being pushed, the way it's being pushed, which class of people are have been widely using that for a long time, what they're bringing forward, all of that kind of stuff. Um, no, I'm, I think we should be suspicious, right? I think we should be, I think people should be suspicious. And I think that like decriminalization of something is completely different from legalized and available on every street corner in packets that look like candy. And, you know, I think you could have one without having the other. And I recommend that we do, right? Have one, but not the other. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Well, it, this has been just a blast, Emily. It always is when I'm talking to you. And, always uh, a good time, Ben. Love you. We um, love you guys, too. And we can't wait to see you in real life again. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Uh, Flattoberfest is going to be over here next year. Uh, we're trying, we're working on the location, uh, maybe like SAC or Reno or, uh, somewhere in that general vicinity. So, uh, that's going to be a good time too. All right. Well, uh, we maybe, maybe, maybe we'll go flat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you All know, right. it, 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 but, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Everybody thank go check Emily out. She is awesome. Obviously. All right, guys. Have a good night. Thank you.
Love you guys. Thanks, Ben. Later. Thanks, Emily. I'll catch it you later. It always takes bye. me a second. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Take care. And new to the channel. And all right, guys. And uh, coming up, we got Cheney from uh, Project Cheney. We've got uh, 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 Bernie, the crypto alchemist. Uh, and we started doing a recording once before, and it ended up because Bernie stayed. Bernie had some stuff going on, and then he was doing an experiment live on the show, and it wasn't quite panning out. Uh, well, it was, but it was just taking a really long time, and you guys know I, I got to go to bed early. So, uh, uh, but we got Bernie coming up. We got Lucas, uh, lots of good things coming up. Uh, and yeah, already working on Flattoberfest West Coast for next year. Um, but we love you guys. And uh, we are recording this weekend. So we'll be back onto a normal, uh, just weekly schedule uh, next week. Love you guys. And new to the channel and something i'm highly honored to have we we wrote uh danheim and asked if uh they would let us use their music on our shows and uh kind of explain to them what i have going on and danheim generously said absolutely do it so my personal favorite band here's danheim